To the untrained eye, real estate is the business of shelter, of comfort, of home. But industry insiders know that just behind the curtain resides a world teeming with innovation and disruption and sometimes brutal competition. And there, in the midst of it all, stand our industry leaders, the folks with the answers to our million-dollar questions in real estate. We've got one of those leaders here for you today. I'm Jessica Edgerton. And I'm Tarko Heidinga from leading real estate companies of the world. Let's pull back the curtain. Welcome to Million Dollar Question. This is a Soulfire production. The process of buying or selling a home is, not to put too fine a point on it, a big frickin' deal. No matter if it's your first time or your 10th time, no matter the price point, no matter your own personal tolerance for stress and uncertainty. Add into the mix the economic roller coaster of the current era, and that big freaking deal becomes, well, bigger. Having the right real estate agent by your side during the process is crucial. According to data from the Association of Real Estate License Law Officials, there are, as of the second quarter of 2022, around 3 million folks in the United States alone who hold active real estate licenses. So while that number guarantees that you've got a lot of choice in your market, it also makes it harder to hunt down the perfect right-hand person for your home buying or selling journey. So how do you spot the best agent in your market? For that matter, for those agents out there, how do you be the best agent in your market? How do you make yourself stand out from those other 2,999,999 agents? Well, here with us today to pull back the curtain on what makes a good real estate agent truly great is Allison Rabarczyk, the relocation director of Arizona Best, a premier real estate firm in Arizona. Allison is a well-known leader in the relocation world. She comes from a family of real estate luminaries and is one herself. And as you'll hear from her in a moment, has been in the business since practically toddlerhood. This woman knows her stuff when it comes to what it takes to be the best in the business. Hi, Allison. Hi, Jessica. Good morning. It is so good to see you. So amazing to see you always. The last time we saw each other in person was in Las Vegas a few months ago for our annual conferences. And before that, we got to see each other in Dubai, correct? Right. Amazing time. Yeah. Both of those was just Arizona best up on stage winning like award after award. You guys are amazing. Well, thank you. We we were and really you know how to have fun too. I have to say, like you are very like the 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 Arizona Best family is just it's incredible. So, talk. Let's start out today um, with having you give a little bit of background. You've been a, a relocation director with one of Arizona's best real estate brokerages, aptly named Arizona Best, for over twenty one years now. As a starting point for our audience, can you just give a quick view of your career trajectory? What landed you in this outrageous industry and even more outrageous career path as a relocation director? And then from a general perspective, particularly for any non-real estate listeners out there, just talk a little bit about what you do, what a relocation director does for a residential real estate firm. 
Absolutely. Well, since I've been doing it 21 years, I obviously started when I was eight years old. Uh, well, then that's kind of true because I grew up in a real estate family. Uh, my parents are both in real estate, so I did. I started at eight years old helping my mom with her postcards and organizing those. I uh, graduated from college and went to work for my family's business and fell in love with it. And then realized after a few years of that, I, I didn't want to just be, oh, the boss's kid. So I left and I went to a different relocation company for four or five years and then was actually recruited back by my family's real estate company. Arizona Best Real Estate is my family's company. And I said, no, I don't need the nepotism. I don't need any favors. And my dad was like, no, I, I need your help. <laughs> like, you have to help me with my relocation department. Uh, so I came back to Arizona Best in 2001. And it's just been such an amazing career. I'm so lucky to do what I do and to work with the people that I work with. And I really, truly, I love everything about it. Uh, with that being said, I mean, it's difficult to give a short answer on what a relocation director does. And it really varies depending on the people that we're serving at the time. We're serving our clients. We're serving our agents. We're serving our broker owners. Uh, but I would say the most basic definition is that we are a resource and concierge for virtually every aspect of a relocation uh, that a, a client's going to experience when they're moving from A to B. We can help with anything. So obviously, when we're working with the client directly, uh, our relocation director is a, is a local voice and a counselor. A lot of times we're a counselor, right? Because this is a super stressful situation for them. Um, and we're a concierge for virtually any service or recommendation that they might need as they're moving across the country or the world. Um, and we're a very steady hand for them during a stressful time. I've taken many a call from clients almost in tears and in tears um, during this time to help them see through what they're going through and give them a resource to solve their pain. Um, we give data and research on almost anything, van lines, um, uh, household goods, pets relocation, their real estate information. Obviously, we can give recommend recommendations for services, um, schools, restaurants, sports, hiking, recreation, you name it. Um, one of my favorite stories, I, I had a client that was relocating from Iowa, and uh, she had recently received as a gift, and again, I hope I don't offend any vegans of the world, but a, a fully butchered cow. And she had steaks and roasts and chops and hamburger. And she literally called me and said, how do I get this from Iowa to Phoenix? Because the movers won't take it. So I had to research refrigerated train cars and van lines. And we got that cow, you know, for her and her family from Iowa to Phoenix. So if you have a reason, you have a, a pain or a problem that you need solved, call a Or a large doctor. butchered farm animal. Or a large butchered farm animal, not a problem. We can handle that. <laughs> That's so, amazing. I mean, those are the Right, right. And I, yeah, my other favorite, and I'll never forget this woman, she called me, she was on her home finding trip, and she said, I'm here, my husband's at work, my kids and I are bored, what should we do? I was like, well, okay, here's a list of parks. I mean, literally, I'm not kidding. Here's your parks, here's your events, here's your festivals, have at it. <laughs> so so that we can really is do amazing. anything. So uh, not then, only though, I mean, that's sort of the client side, right? And you are full service. The, the cow thing, I'm just, it's going to take me a while to get over that. It's amazing. I'm a pescatarian. So, you know, um, but that like, if I ever need an like shark, deconstructed shark right. or octopus, I will call you, Allison. Call me. I'll figure I, it out. Yeah. I will. Um, 
But you also, I mean, I've seen the way you interact when I see, you know, that the Arizona Best Contingency at our, our conferences and just seeing you in action, you are also a hub within your company as well for your agents. So talk a little bit about that part of your role too. Absolutely. And I mean, you, I love working with agents. You have to love working with agents if you want to be a relocation director. But we, I work with them every day. They're probably, I work with them more than anyone else. And we are, we are a large source of business development for them because agents are out there busy working, you know, in their business, not on their business. So if we can provide an additional resource and get them some referrals and clients to work with while they're out busy selling the clients and doing a fantastic job, that's one of the favorite parts of my business. And, and a piggyback to that that I've seen happen many times that makes me feel good and excited and happy for everyone is I've, I've seen agents take their careers to the next level. They're, they're steady, producing, wonderful, successful agents. But we can, we can sometimes launch them into the stratosphere with our business because what we're doing is making introductions to them for people who want to buy and sell now. But guess what? If that agent's great, at keeping in touch with them, that's a referral source for that agent for five, 10, or 15 years. They can have multiple transactions off of one referral that I have given to them. And to watch that happen uh, is really exciting. I have an agent who keeps a spreadsheet of all the residual business from the referrals, and she's she's launched to our number one agent last year. And I think she said she had like $8 million in volume off of one referral because of all the referral trees that came along with it. So to watch them do that and grow and to be to help them with that is really an exciting and and wonderful piece of what I do every day. Um, my other favorite thing is that we really focus on teaching our agents to become full service real estate agents across the globe. Um, you know, the leading real estate companies of the world slogan, I'm local, I'm global. We we truly live it, right? We go to Dubai, we go, we travel places all yep. the time, but we want our agents to understand that. They'll, they should train their clients whenever they have a real estate need, no matter where it is that you call your Arizona Best Real Estate Agent because they are connected through Leading RE to help with real estate all over the place. I, per, I placed a referral in Hamburg, Germany this week. It took me five seconds, right? I pulled up the directory. I typed in Hamburg. I emailed Germany. They came back with the perfect agent to handle this multi-million dollar listing. I mean, how could you do that without Leading RE? It would be practically impossible. Um, to research that and get it done in that short of a time. So our agents listen for opportunities and they, they really are full service. We say you are their forever realtor anywhere. And if you train your sphere to call you anytime they have real estate need, um, you're not only going to be helping these people, you're also going to have the added benefit of, you know, of, a, of another referral fee here and there and extra income. So, Well, we sure value uh, your participation and uh, your dedication. I mean, you guys are just stellar members and, and parts of our community. So thank you. Um, so, okay. So we've got, you are <laughs> deeply entwined in the world of clients. You are deeply entwined in the world of agents, but you're also deeply entwined with the leadership of your brokerage and that, and the sort of ownership and, and operational aspects of that. So talk a little bit about how your role plays into that too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the relocation department, whether you're a profit center or a service center, you are adding additional revenue to your company's bottom line and to your agents. I would say any CEO or broker owner who doesn't think that they want to invest the time or the money in starting a real, a real estate or I'm sorry, a relocation department, 
you're really missing the boat because that can be, you know, up to 40 to 50 percent of the company's um, company dollar. So it's a really huge, important piece that I'm proud to be a part of to support my company. And we really do also play a key role in agent recruiting and retention, uh, because once we start developing them into these rock star agents, they don't want to leave, obviously, and we don't want them to leave. And it's just win-win for everybody. And I mean, we do, we're not just a service center. I mean, everything that we're doing and, and the programs that we're introducing to help our agents and our broker owners, we truly provide a value and a benefit to every division of our company. I mean, if I do say so myself, we, we help everywhere. You do. So let's let's take a, a spin now into, we've got a lot of consumers out there and prospective consumers, right? And we are in such a crazy market. We are now, you know, starting to wind down from one of the hottest markets that we've seen in a while. There is now some softening that's anticipated as we are going into, you know, whether it's a, an official recession or just sort of a cooling right now, we've got rising um, interest rates, we've got uh, inflation. And so, and, and we're, we're exiting now a market where the inventory real estate out there that was available on the market was so tight that, I mean, I heard stories about people literally getting into fist fights on the, like waiting to get into an open house. I mean, it's been madness. So now we're starting to soften. We've got some folks that are, that are now less nervous about inventory and starting to like look at mortgage rates. And I mean, there's so much going on still from a consumer perspective. It is so crucial for both buyers and sellers to find the right agent to help them usher through that through the process. So can you give our consumers out there, and I'm, I'm not talking about like, you know, what, um, you know, what it's, what successful marketing necessarily looks like for an agent, but actually servicing those clients. What advice would you give for new agents who are working with, let's, let's start here. Let's start with buyers right now. What is going to make those consumers out there really be happy with their agent? What, the, what should those agents be doing? Well, there's really, there's really three pieces, I think, that are critical to, to working with any client. This would apply to, to buyers and sellers. We can, we can get into some buyer specifics that the agent should have on hand when they are going to work with that buyer. But really, it comes down to practice, communication, and good systems, uh, especially for new agents. Practice is the most important part of your business. When you're starting out, the last thing you want to do is practice on your clients, right? Because that's, that's an opportunity for you to serve them as their trusted advisor. And if this is the first time you're saying these things to them, and this is the first time you're talking them through a transaction, you have really failed them. Even if you get away with it and do a good job, you really need to practice your scripts in advance. Um, you know, I love sports analogies. So we say, does Tom Brady practice throwing touchdowns in a game on Sunday, right? We all know he doesn't. We all know he's fanatical about practice and weight training and drills and, and visualization. He does all of that in advance so that on game day, he's on point and he's ready to win. And that's what new agents need to do. They need to practice their presentations and interactions before they're in front of a client. And a lot of people don't like doing it. It is uncomfortable, but it's it's really required, and you want to practice your role play, your scripts of, of a buyer presentation, a listing presentation, even practice showing a house. 
because you really better have something of value to add more so than here's the kitchen, right? So you really want to get into that role and practice with people that that are going to be difficult and ask you some difficult questions because that's what you're going to face when you're out there in the real world with your clients. And again, I can't say it enough. Don't practice on your clients. Practice ahead of time. Be prepared. Um, and then that that rolls right into communication because that, you know, that's, that's vital to everything. But I say it's the most important part of a real estate transaction. The, the biggest complaint I hear from clients who had a less than stellar, you know, real estate experience has to do with communication time and time again. I didn't know what was going on. They didn't call me back. They didn't call me. I was always calling them. Their voicemail was full. That's my favorite. Please don't do that. Um, but we like to say if your client is calling you and asking for an update or asking what's going on, you have failed them. So you really have to be proactive in your communication and information so they know exactly where they are and exactly where they're going and what's coming next. We do this every day, right? We know exactly how it flows. They don't. So you have to be in that communication mode with them all the time. Um, and then finally, that that also just rolls right into the systems. The systems are going to help keep your communication on track. Um, and it's going to make every interaction you have with the client consistent. You don't want, you know, Johnny to refer you to Betty and Johnny has a stellar experience and Betty has a terrible one because that's that's bad for everyone. So you want the, the transaction to be consistent and that comes with really good systems for communication. It, it takes the fear and uncertainty out of the process for the buyer. Um, and I have an, a great example of one of my agents. She found herself explaining this, the process over and over and over again to the same clients. Um, and so what she did is she realized there were about seven steps to a transaction, seven stages of it. And she recorded a video that detailed each step for them. And she launches them out at the appropriate time. So she will definitely go over it with them and explain it to them in person. Then she'll send them that video because the next day, or if they wake up at, at two in the morning in a panic, they can watch that video and have a detailed explanation of exactly where they are. And then they're they're right back, you know, on earth and calm and collected and can move forward with the transaction. So that's, I think that's a great example of a system that helps her be successful. But you can have checklists, templates, calendars, uh, whatever it is, it has to be prepared in advance. It has to, to lead your clients through this seamlessly. And it has to, to take that fear out and uncertainty so they know exactly what's going on. Is there anything that you would say uh, is specific to working with sellers that wasn't touched on there with your recommendations for buyer agents? Um, and again, it, it comes back to the to the preparation, and I think it piggybacks a little on the systems. You want to have your pre-listing packet ready to go. You want to have your listing presentation ready to go so that you can just pull it off the shelf or, or off the digital shelf, update it to the today's market conditions and be on your way. I've seen a lot of agents come running in the office and say, oh, I have a listing presentation. Somebody just called me. I don't know what to do. And they're grabbing collateral. And you're like, what are you doing? You know, this should have been done weeks ago. Um, because you need to, if you get that call, you need to be able to deliver your pre-listing packet within an hour or two directly to that customer. And if your listing presentation is the next day, you need to have that ready to go and rehearsed so that you can deliver to that seller clear information about how you can help sell their home. And I would say, and this, this again, it piggybacks with buyers and sellers, but know your market and know what's going on. There's, 
as you said, there's so much uncertainty happening in the world right now. You have to be the source of clear, factual information and not this, you know, the fear mongering and the clickbait that's out there. You have to be able to quell all of that in your buyers and sellers because they're reading it. Um, And if you know the details and the facts, you're going to be a source of calmness and information for them that's critical. So that comes with studying your market every day, having good resources of factual information, whether it's a local source or Keeping Current Matters, a national source, whether it's an author that you really like that doesn't do that fear-based you know, dialogue. If you know all that information, you can be prepared at a moment's notice to answer any question anywhere, even in the grocery store if it comes up. But most importantly, to the buyers and sellers that you're interacting with every day, that's really, really critical. Let's flip the coin. What should agents not be doing right now? Do you have any real juicy horror stories that our audience can take lessons from here? Remember, I've been in real estate 21 years. (laughs) More, actually. Um, And I love, like I said, I love all of all the real estate agents I interact with. But I say a chronic problem amongst several of them is all they want to do is talk about themselves. Okay, so don't talk about yourself, right? Um, a client is sitting across from you and you are sitting there and and you, I've seen them launch with their listing presentation into 10 to 15 minutes. And this is me and this is my picture and here are my awards and here's my volume. And it's like, okay, great. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, obviously the person you're sitting across from wants to understand that you are a knowledgeable and successful real estate agent that can guide them through the transaction. That should take 30 seconds to explain that. If they ask you questions, Feel free, obviously, to expand on that because they're interested, but don't assume they want 20 minutes on you because um, they're sitting there and they're across from you and they're, we have a saying called with them, and they're sitting there saying, what's in it for me? How is this agent going to help me accomplish my real estate goals? And how are they going to get me from A to B as quickly and painlessly as possible? That's what they want to know. They don't want to know how many awards you've won. So stop it. Stop talking about yourself all the time. <laughs> um I would say the other thing I see, and sometimes this happens with new agents, but I've seen it happen with experienced ones, don't guess or assume anything ever, right? Because that's what's going to get you into trouble. If you're a new agent and, you, and you're unsure of an answer, don't guess. Um, I mean, you obviously want to appear confident and, and knowledgeable, and you don't want to sit there and say, oh, I don't know, I don't know. So have some things in your back pocket that you can turn to if you get caught in that situation, something like, that's a really good question. I, I think it's an important part of this transaction. I'm going to review that with my broker, and then I'm going to get back to you with an answer. I mean, obviously, you don't say, I don't know. But have some of those scenarios rehearsed. Again, the practice comes into it. So when you're caught in that situation, you can make them feel at ease that you will get them the information. Um, and also ask a lot of questions. I, I think we touched on that a little bit as well. You know, don't make sure you understand what your clients know or don't know. And the only, reason, the only way you're going to know that is by asking them questions. If you assume that they don't know anything about the real estate market or transaction and you launch into 30 minutes talking about the step-by-step when, when they already know it, for me, that's my biggest pet peeve is don't waste my time explaining something that I already know. And the reason you're explaining it to me is because you didn't ask me any questions. So um, make sure you're asking questions, not assuming anything. And again, the assumptions... I would say is are what led to some of our biggest horror stories. You know, don't lay on the juice. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Don't assume you're walking around on hardwood floors when you're really walking around on plank vinyl tiles. Oof. Because what's going to happen after close of escrow and your client moves into the house, they're going to find those blank, there are those plank tiles in the garage and they're going to call you and say, where are my hardwood floors? Yes, we, we wrote a check on that one. Um, don't, <laughs> don't assume, don't assume an inspection is fine or it's not a big deal. Don't assume that's not mold on the wall, right? You are surrounded by a team of experts and you have a process built in to do your due diligence during the inspection process. So use that team. If something looks concerning, don't say, oh, that's not a big deal. That's not mold because it could be mold and the whole house could have to be torn down because of it after closing. So that's going to be a huge problem for you. <laughs> right? Exactly. So don't, don't guess, don't assume, use your team, use your resources to get the answers and the information and make sure you're providing all of that to your people. Well, and lawyers too, right? I mean, one of the big legal hotline things that you hear of is folks with their real estate licenses thinking that they can practice law. And that is another big line that you just, you can't be all things to all people. Oh, uh, Your clients only, might expect yeah. it, but you got to draw those lines, right? Exactly. And you have to know the lines in order to draw them. And, and our broker says that all the time. You are practicing law. You need to stop it. Yep. I mean, and in Arizona, it's interesting because we do have the right to draft contracts as real estate mm -hmm. agents, which is a little unusual. But there, you, you definitely cross that line. And when you're practicing law, you're in trouble. Well, and even more so if you're in the contract, right? I mean, then where where it gets a little gray. So know yeah. your yeah, know your always ask, <laughs> know your boundaries, ask questions. Yeah. Um, so fantastic. Okay, so we really kind of started with like talking to the agents here. Let's let's flip over to the to the consumers now. So as we've already touched on, market's crazy. Uh, lots of uncertainty all out there right now. You know, the, the last thing that folks want to do as they embark on a buying or selling journey in this market is like, you know, have somebody who doesn't know what the heck is going on by their side, right? So, so in terms of the nuts and bolts of what consumers should be doing as they select this agent, what, what does that due diligence look like? What should they be asking their, those, those prospective agents? And, and I would say first and foremost, the most important uh, the most important thing to ask is, is your real estate agent a full-time realtor? We have a lot of side hustle realtors right now that have full-time jobs and they're trying to do this on the side. You can't do it. I mean, part-time realtors do not work. Did, I mean, did you know Tom Cruise even has his real estate license? Right? Stop it. I know. I know. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't want to work with Tom Cruise. Maybe that's the only time you work. Well, with and bless the hustle, right? I mean, I, I actually, I you know, I've gotten in Ubers where there's like, you know, real estate agent business cards in the back from the driver. And like, everybody's trying to do everything they can right now. So bless them. But go, go, go but, ahead with, uh, with the but, yeah, that's, right. That's my favorite. I get into an Uber. What do you do? Oh, I'm in real estate. I'm a realtor too. Oh, stop it. But yeah, you're right. Bless them for, for doing that. But if you want a stellar experience, you need to work with a full-time professional real estate agent. So I can't, you know, I can't stress that enough. But and. Well, but I think also this kind of goes back to what agents should be thinking about, right? Like hustle, hustle, hustle. 
But if you are doing those alternative, you know, if you're doing the Uber, if you're doing the the Instacart, whatever, make sure that you realize who your competition is, especially in this market, right? There's 1.6 million. If you're serious about it, you're going to need to be drinking some extra coffee so you really can be putting in a full time as well. And like, no disrespect to my Uber driver the other day, maybe she was doing that, right? Maybe she was putting in those 12 hours and doing the Uber as well. But in this day and age, I don't know that you can survive as a real estate agent if you're doing the weekend warrior thing. I mean, what do you think? Well, I mean, absolutely. You, as we talked about, you have to know the market. You have to study the market every day. You have to be prepared. If you're doing too many different things, plus you, you have to have a laser focus on real estate because it changes so quickly and, and contracts change and stats change and markets change. And unless you're dialed in and really focused on your craft, how can you be, how can you be the best at it? So I, again, it might be possible, but I, I feel like those who live, eat, sleep, breathe real estate are going to be, going to be your best real estate agents to work with. And they're, if they are good at it, they're not going to need the side hustle or, or, the Uber or the Instacart, they're not going to need it because they're going to be so successful um, with their full-time real estate business. So, so once you, once you determine your agent is full-time, right? Okay, let's go from there. Um, But also, I mean, I would ask for referrals and recommendations from people that you know, somebody's done a real estate transaction recently. So get those names and then do your own due diligence online. You know, take a look at their website Look at their their past sales. Look at their current listings. Maybe there's a map on that website that has dots on all the places that they've sold homes or how many families that they have helped. Um, Really dig into that. Read their reviews. Read their testimonials. Um, But once you determine that you like this person online, and also their, one more thing I forgot to mention, their website should be updated and relevant to today's market. If they're if they're referencing a market from 2007 or 2015, they are not your realtor. And, and I mean, sidebar to those those full-time realtors, if you have an update- Or 2019 or 2020, I mean, right? If you have an update your website in the last two years, yes. that's your first order of business right now. Make sure it's relevant to today's market because people are, people are using that as their first date or interview with you. And if that's not solid, helpful information- they're just going to move on. So, so as a consumer, do that research and make sure your agent has all that stuff on their website. But don't select your agent just online. Don't don't neglect the personal interview. Right? We all find we all find dates online or whatever we're finding online. But then we go out and we meet the person for coffee and we talk with them before we marry them or whatever. Um, so yeah. make sure you're interviewing those agents live. I do surprisingly see a lot of agents or a lot of clients who'll call me up. And they've picked an agent based on the website. And they'll say, I want to work with Jim Smith. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, Jim Smith, you know, he's, he's out of town for six months and he doesn't cover that. You can't, you can't pick them without talking to them. So make sure you're doing that live interview. Interview more than one, two or three I, at the and most. Just to be clear here, too, because I think a lot of folks on the listing sign, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you're going to sell your house, people go through the interview process and all the rest of it. But I... I feel like there is a tendency for buyers to just sort of like be like, ah, Zillow fed me this person, right? I sure. What are your feelings from a, from a buy side? What are your feelings on that same application there? I mean, is it sort of that meh when it comes to the buy side or is that just as important as the listing side as well? I 
think it's it's just as important as the listing side. I mean, think about the amount of time you're going to be spending with this person. You have to you have to get along. You have to like each other. You have to appreciate and enjoy their communication style. And you're you know you're going to also be in a stressful situation most likely with your real estate agent. And if you don't like them or you don't like the way that they talk to you, when you're under stress, that's just going to be amplified and it's going to make everything worse. So take the time to make sure that you you like them personally and you enjoy the way that they do business. I mean, I, I use first-time homebuyers as an example all the time because I'll, I've, I've worked with many sets of first-time homebuyers. And there's a group over here that wants type A, take charge agent, tell me what to do, tell me where to sign, let's get this over with. Then there's the other first-time home buyer. I want to take it slow. I want to ask a million questions. I want you to explain everything to me twice. Those are two very, very different agents. And depending on where you fall uh, as a consumer, you need to decide who's the best choice to lead you through that, that transaction, whether it's the take charge, let's go, or the hand-holding, let's take it slow. And once you determine who you are and what you want, make sure that the agent you're going to be working with is, is a good fit for that, that style of communication to lead you through this 30 to 45 day transaction. And that's if you find a house on the first day, right? Sometimes you're going to go out multiple times and spend, I mean, not so much during COVID, but- Well, you might find a house on the first day, but referencing back still to the tight inventory, like it can, the, I saw a statistic recently. It was, I think, published in Inman that 50% of buyers cried in the last two years during their buying, cried, like shed tears during their buying process. Oh, 50%. I, and those are just the ones who are admitting to it. So I believe it. And I would say that that number is the same for agents. <laughs> yes. Right. Either for themselves, for writing 55 offers and not getting them accepted, or for their agents, because we feel, right? We feel for our clients yeah. when they're going through this and they're not getting houses and they're crying. It makes me cry. So... I think we've all cried in the last two years at some point or another. For sure. I know I have. So much, right? (laughs) So so many (sighs) tears. So, Allison, you have been in this business for a long time. You are a regular speaker at our Leading RE events. You are a true leader in the relocation world and and beyond for for the community as a whole. So, what is the best leadership advice that you have been given that in these crazy times when everybody around you is crying <laughs> and the inventory isn't there and your agents are losing it and your clients are losing it and your leadership's losing it? And what advice, what leadership advice do you come back to during those times? Will you share that with this audience? Oh, I would love to. I would love to. And I I would say a lot, most all of this has probably come from my leading RE conferences and institute classes and the amazing group of professionals you've assembled to help us as brokers. Uh, I know I've gotten a lot of this from from those folks, but the one, I mean, if I, in a moment of of uncertainty or tears or craziness, if I can latch onto this nugget, it's an instant calming force for me. And that is to to focus on what I can control because that narrows everything that's happening and it puts me in my own lane. And if you're trying to control this person or this outcome or this situation that you clearly can't control, you're just going to make it worse for yourself by trying to control it. So, I mean, there are times I, I don't even take my own advice. I'm like, wow, you know, I got to do this and that. And 
And those are those are when I handle situations poorly, in my in my opinion, if I'm self-evaluating later. But I've I'm, never seen you handle a situation poorly, <laughs> but I'm sure it happens every once in a while. Uh, thank you. It, it, I am human, so yes. <laughs> but when I can when I can grab onto that nugget, narrow my focus, focus on what's in my control, and and my my decision to how I react to the outcome of the stressful situation. That's all I've really got, right? And so if I can stay in that lane, I'm much calmer. I'm much more at peace. I might always be happy, right? The outcome might not be what I want it to be, but I know I've done, I've been true to myself. I've done everything that I can do. And then I control that reaction. Well, that didn't go my way, but let's move forward and move on to the next, the next part of it. So staying in your lane, focusing on only those things in your control, I think is a huge help you know, when you're in that stressful, that stressful moment, just remember to grab it off your toolkit in your brain. So, um, but my other favorite one is mindset. And I mean, this came a lot from, from Larry Kendall and the Ninja Selling System, but I mean, it's been around forever. My dad and I talked about mindset when I was in high school, you know, I was on the diving team and he talked about visualization and mindset and see all those things. But really some of the tools that have come about recently have, have really helped us dial in that mindset. I mean, Larry Kendall says, what you focus on expands. And so if you're focusing on gratitude and positivity, guess what? You're going to have more of that in your life. If you're focusing on negativity and everything that's going wrong, well, that's what you're going to get more of. So what you focus on expands. And it's it's it sounds a little woo-woo sometimes, but it's really, truly science-backed. I mean, Larry shared a story about most Olympic records are set when the athlete is in the high positive quadrant and their mindset is in high positive mode. So that's, yes, that's a little woo-woo, but that's science, right? They've proven the fact that people do better when they're in a positive frame of mind, but it, it certainly takes work. It takes energy. It doesn't just happen. You have to work at it every single day. And, and I try to do that. I have, I have my AM and PM rituals that I do every morning to, to bookend my day with positivity and I got that from, from an author, Mark Devine. He's a former Navy SEAL, and he had a book called The Unbeatable Mind. And he's very big into, into your AM and PM rituals. And so I have I use apps a lot that help me with that. I, in the morning, it takes 15 minutes. I do my five-minute journal. I read The Daily Stoic, who is another – Ryan Holiday is another author that I love. I'm taking um, notes here. These are good. <laughs> Daily Stoic. Um, yeah, that Stoic, Stoic capital S, not Stoic, like, but like talks about Marcus Aurelius and some of the ancient philosophers. It's so interesting the way he relates it to, to our daily lives today in 2022. But, um, and then I do, after those two, I read one page of my Daily Stoic book. I do my gratitudes and then I do my calm meditation. And then at the end of the day, I reflect um, my, med- my calm, or I'm sorry, my five minute journal app walks me through the, the closing, I forgive myself for anything that might have gone wrong, talk, talk to myself about how I can do better, and, and then I'm off on my day. Um, and another thing I got from Mark Devine, have you ever heard of the, the parable, I guess, of the two wolves inside you? No. No. It's fantastic. It's so good. So I think it's an it's a ancient a Cherokee lesson, and they talk about how there are two wolves living inside all of us, and one is good. And one is evil, sort of, you know, uh, similar to the angel and the devil on your shoulder. But those wolves are inside us every day and they're battling, right? They're battling for good, for evil. And the question becomes, well, which one wins? And the answer is the one that you feed. 
So. Oh, yes. Right? It's so true. It's so true. So if you're feeding that negative wolf, and it just goes back to what you focus on expands, because whichever wolf you're feeding is going to win in your heart every day. So make sure. And you feed it with attention and with focus and with, so yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, Allison, you are definitely a wolf for good in this world and for positivity. And I am so grateful for you. And, you know, before we close up, though, I wanted to say, too, the point on meditation can't and the science behind it cannot be reemphasized enough. We have our Career Gold uh, conferences coming up in Chicago in August. And this is a this is a program for exclusively for leading RE trainers and those in the in the education and um, and development departments in our member companies. And our keynote this year is actually Anusha Weakmar, who is a doctor who specializes in working with meditation, in particular with women who are suffering from breast cancer and battling breast cancer and the science behind even physical ailments and how meditation can really help you work through physically difficult times as well is, um, is mind boggling. It really is, I guess, literally. Um, that's amazing and yeah yeah. and and it's it's a little at a time chip away right it takes five minutes a day but you you gotta don't break the chain you know keep that going but it is it's transformative it's it's amazing I always feel transformed after speaking with you Allison you are such a ray of light and um wisdom and I'm so grateful that you're a part of the Leading Array Network. Thank you so much for being here. Audience, thank you for the time that you took to listen to our conversation today. Everybody, go out. Feed your good wolves. Feed, feed the power inside of you for good. Appreciate everybody. Have a beautiful rest of your day, folks. See you soon. Bye.